Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Dwayne Cormell, who is the founder of Realm Recruit and the legal job coach. Dwayne has worked in the recruitment industry for over a decade, but for the last five years, he's been focused on building Realm Recruit, who are a specialist within legal markets. Despite challenges during the last 12 to 18 months, Dwayne has managed to come out the other side of COVID, having grown his business in headcount and also as a business, they're well on track to set new records um, and hopefully achieve their first million pound year in revenue. Dwayne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So where we always like to start is, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? Okay, so um, you had me on 15 minutes with recently and I I touched on this point then, but we've got to start off with communication skills. Mm. Recruitment, in my humble opinion, is about people and your success or otherwise hinges heavily, I think, on your ability to form relationships with them. And I think I shared this when we spoke before, but... There's a book by a lady called Susan Scott called Fierce Conversations. And whilst I wouldn't necessarily recommend everybody go out and read it, there's a really powerful line that she uses in it. And the line is, the conversation is the relationship. And I found that really mega profound. Like it was almost like this light bulb, cha-ching moment. Like any relationship you have, yes, there's nonverbal cues and all the rest of it. But more than anything else, the quality or otherwise of them hinges on the relation, um, the the relationships you have, sorry, the quality or otherwise of them hinges on the conversations you have, right? So you've got to have good communication skills, written, verbal. That's that's just a nailed on for me. Um, and I'm sure we'll, <laughs> it won't be long before I mention this anyway, but in Realm, we use a tool called IMA, Identify, Modify, Adapt. And it's all about better understanding the way you communicate as an individual and the way others communicate and modifying and adapting your communication accordingly to better connect with people. Um, And we've seen a lot of positives through putting that tool in place. So absolutely, number one, good communication skills. The next thing I would say is empathy. Again, given Mm. that we're dealing with people and that (laughs) – Humans, by definition, are imperfect and can sometimes disappoint. You've got to have a degree of empathy to to really put yourself in the shoes of the other person, to see it from their perspective. Because otherwise, you're going to get worn down, in my humble opinion. Recruitment is necessarily full of setbacks. I would also say that having good organisation is a pretty fundamental need. So whether or not the business you work in has got good systems and processes in place or not, I think you need to be able to organize yourself in such a way that it's clear day to day what you're going to be doing. It's clear how you're going to follow those organize and follow those systems and processes because ultimately there's that old adage about spinning plates, right? And recruitment is just like that. There's lots of things going on simultaneously And if you take your eye off one for too long, it crashes, smashes. And um, yeah, that necessarily comes through in your performance and your billings. And I'll go for one more if that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. 
uh, resilience. Yeah. I'm trying to be positive and not be negative. Um, and I've, but I've said it already, recruitment comes with setbacks, right? Everybody that works in recruitment knows that. And you've got to be resilient if you expect to have anything like a long-lasting, meaningful career in recruitment. Yeah, for sure. No, thank you. Great, great points there. So let's let's just, obviously, we're going to really focus on sort of Dwayne, the business owner and, and, and the sort of realm journey. But let's just touch on it really quickly because I think there's always sort of interesting stories or things to be learned from sort of early days in recruitment. So from what from what I can see then, obviously, went to university to do law and yeah. then you graduated <laughs> and then didn't become didn't work in a profession, but decided to recruit lawyers instead. (laughs) (laughs) It it wasn't quite as strategically thought out as that, if I'm honest. (laughs) Um, I mean, does anybody, does anybody deliberately set out to be a recruiter? No, I don't think they do. I think nine, Mm. nine times. I think that's changing. Yeah, no, I think I'd, 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 I'd like to think it's changing because I think there's a lot going for this profession. Otherwise I won't be here 10 years later, but yeah, and my point being, certainly when I went into recruitment, it wasn't a well thought out, you know, long term aspiration. Frankly, it was something yeah, yeah. I fell in, fell into, and it was as simple as this: I wanted to be a barrister. It cost something like, certainly, it did at the time, fifteen grand to do a qualification after you've already paid for your degree. Degree, yeah. Um, you've got to pay 15 grand. You've got to find money to also live off in the meantime. And that doesn't even guarantee that you're going to get over the line. And I just thought, well, that's a bit of a gamble. And I backed my, you know, I'd backed myself at the time. Don't get me wrong. But I thought what would be good is if I went and earned a bit of money first to give me a bit of a safety net. And the company that, <laughs> that I ultimately worked for, they basically hired me for two reasons. One, because I had a law degree and they recruited lawyers. And two, the patch that they wanted somebody to recruit into was in and around Birmingham. And 10, 11 years ago, my Brummie accent being from Birmingham was a lot thicker. So they were like, <laughs> this guy can probably talk the, talk the talk with these Brummie lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. So how how would you describe your first year in recruitment then? Because it's typically a difficult year for a lot of people. Miserable. Really? Honestly, miserable. Um, Why was it so miserable? <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm conscious I don't want to come on here and be all neggy because as I've told you before, my non-negotiable with myself day to day is to be a positive person. But I guess I can... Well, we, can t- we can put a positive spin on it and sort of well, talk I'll, about what you learn. But let's... I think people want to know that it's not all rosy and it's all positive, right? So share why was it miserable? It was miserable because I went into it for the wrong reasons to start off with. I okay. thought I thought... Oh, it'll be a job that I'll earn a bit of money and it'll be easy and straightforward. And it's not that. Recruitment is not easy and it's not straightforward. As I've already said, you need resilience because there are a lot of setbacks. So coupled me going into it naively, coupled with the fact that I don't think I necessarily got the training, guidance and support that somebody so naive and young and lacking in experience needed, those things compounded to me not really performing very well. And yeah. when you're not performing very well in recruitment, um, in most companies at least, I don't think that's a very enjoyable experience. That's no, grim. And um, I think on top of that, and this is nobody's fault, it's just the way it was, most people within that business were a good 10 years older than me. So yeah. just on a human level, 
there was nobody there I could really kind of connect with, yeah, connect with and bounce with day to day. So yeah, it was pretty miserable. And again, you know, if we're going to, if we are going to spin the positive of it, because there is a positive actually, it's that that made me lose confidence and made me think I've really achieved nothing in this year. I've got no money saved to go and do this barrister thing. So I've got to keep going. And mm. the more I stuck at it, the more I got into it, I suppose the more I did start to see the upsides of recruitment. Yeah. And I guess if I'd had a decent first year and managed to put some money away, I would have been like, great, I've achieved what I need to achieve and I would have disappeared off and done the barrister gig and I wouldn't be yeah. here today. Yeah, that's a good point. So I guess for people listening then that might be going through that early period, what would, what would you say to them? Because obviously sometimes it can be really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, can't it? When you're yeah. sort of working through that. Um, I think that the hard bit is I think what I would say to them would depend on why they're feeling like that. And mm. when you're in that situation yourself at that time, you may not necessarily know. So for example, you may feel that way because you're not in the right company, because you're not aligned with what this company's about, because you're not getting the training support that you need. But yeah. that might not be that clear to you. But if, if if that were the situation, I would say think twice about whether you're in the right place and maybe look around because there are lots of really good recruitment businesses mm -hmm. out there. What um, are good just on that, sorry to bite him. What are no, good questions? Great. What are good questions these people can ask themselves? Because I'm sure these are types of questions you get your people to ask themselves that could maybe discover or unearth those things? Well, I suppose I'd start off with a fairly simple one. Do I feel like I know how to do this job? Good question. Because um, actually, if I'd said that to myself six months in, um, or let me rephrase it, do I know how to do this job to the point where I feel capable of hitting that billing target that I've got? Mm. If, if I'd asked myself that six to 12 months in, the answer would have been no. Yeah. Um, and I think if the answer is no, then um, you're not necessarily in the wrong place. You know, the, the answer isn't always leave. The grass isn't always greener, but certainly you need to try and address that, that issue. And it might be going to your line manager, your director, asking for more support training or whatever, or, you know, ultimately maybe it might be moving elsewhere where you're going to get that. Yeah. Nice. So I guess just on this, then just uh, one or two more things on the sort of early days, what um what so if you could go back and communicate to Dwayne then as you were going into recruitment because you wanted to save some money to become a barrister, what what would you knowing what you know now, what would you say to him? Well, because of that age gap, right, and because of it being my first real experience of being in a, an office setting, I I suppose I felt that I had to behave in a certain way that wasn't natural to me. Mm. And I had to talk in a way that wasn't natural to me either. And I don't think that helped. So the first thing I'd say is be authentic. Yeah. Own who own who you are. Um, certainly the more that the more that I've done that in my career, the more I feel that I've benefited, that I've that I've felt mentally in a better place. I feel that there's been success around me. So that, that would be one thing that I would say. Um, I, <laughs> I was really fixated and just being good at recruitment in the early days without really knowing what that meant. What I thought it meant was being good at putting in 
the hours, being good at getting the numbers. And maybe that's part of it, but actually if what you, if what you're doing is making, you know, 50 BD calls a day and all those BD calls are, hi, have you got any jobs? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you needn't bother picking up the phone. You may as well have just sat there dicking about doing something else. But being truthful, that's the sort of thing that I used to do. I didn't know otherwise. Yeah. Um, so with hindsight, I would advise myself now um the the person i am now would advise me back then don't just make it about recruitment make make it about relationships add value talk to people in a normal meaningful way and um don't you know don't try as hard you know focus on doing less and doing that less better yeah i love that so and then just the final point just because i think by the time we release this it'll be and, and we're doing a few things around just focused on sort of graduates obviously graduating uh, this year or ju- just people going into the workplace for the first time obviously i've seen obviously you hire quite obviously you have a young fairly young team um yeah i guess just just a quick point it might be related to what you just said but like what do you pl- do you place grads into law firms or is that not something no we from time to time from time to time we do um yeah not all that often but yeah occasionally I guess the, the question just was, I was just interested, would be like, obviously, having been a grad yourself or like entering the workplace for the first time, any advice for people that might be listening to this that could be find themselves entering the workplace for the first time, particularly recruitment? For me, I, I from the, the messages that I get on a weekly basis, I, I really do feel like recruitment will become a career choice. Um, and, and I think hopefully part of this podcast what it should be achieving because it's one of our goals is like actually painting a real picture of what to expect so there's less surprises um and there's a real picture going into it rather than just being sold the the typical recruitment dream so i guess anyone just final point on this is like anyone listening to this that might be graduating this year or is getting entering the workplace for the first time which you can obviously relate to as well like what would your advice be to them this podcast is proudly partnered with Sourcebreaker. So there's a good chance right now that you are feeling candidate sure. I continue to hear at the moment that recruiters have jobs coming out of their ears and just not enough candidates to fill them with. If this sounds like you, then you have to make the time to check out Sourcebreaker and how it can help you. One of the quickest impacts all of their customers experience is that it helps them unearth candidates that they never knew existed on their database. The first place you will likely check if you get another new job or you go back to a job that you're sourcing is your database. So start looking at your database with Sourcebreaker and start unearthing candidates you never knew were even there. It's going to help you save time on sourcing. It's going to help you make more money. And because you're listening to this podcast, you can even save money on this fantastic product. Use the link in the show notes to get yourself a demo and get hold of the exclusive savings you get because you're a recruitment mentors listener. Now back to the podcast. I don't know whether or not this is what you're looking for, but what what comes to mind is that recruitment is a genuinely meritocratic profession, Mm. like much more than lots of other professions. And one thing that's kept me in recruitment and we may come on later to why why realm um became a thing um versus why i you know didn't ditch and go and do the law thing but i felt that actually there was the possibility in this space 
to really create something really exciting and grow it a lot quicker and be the leaders at it sooner than you could in other walks of life, certainly than you could in law. So that, that to me is a backdrop for me saying that it's a really exciting profession. You can achieve great things, not just financially, but in terms of where, where you can take yourself. You know, there are graduates that have joined Realm who within three, four years have been, you know, not just nominated, but won, won awards external of the four walls of Realm, recognized as being the best at what they do. And objectively, are prob- probably are the best at what they do. You know, they they dominate the markets they sit in. So what you've got to be prepared for is hard work, a steep learning curve, because there's a lot more to it, I think, than people let on. Um, mm. I would ignore what I believe in my humble opinion to be those ridiculous OTE 70 to 100k um adverts that you see because it's a load of crap that's not going to happen in year one unless you you know are you know the absolute luckiest person in the world and you kind of walk into a hot desk Mm. so be prepared for a long game but by long game I mean you know one or two years of of grafting and maybe not necessarily earning the big bucks winning the awards but then actually it can quickly take off thereafter. Yeah, I love that. And I think, yeah, I think I would I would just add, which is why I'm excited to get do this sort of graduate series is because um, I think working in recruitment just equips you with so many skills, like so many skills that you probably didn't even expect. Might, you might end up going into recruitment thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm a good salesperson or I'm going to get better at sales, but there's just so much more to it. There's just so many more skills that you'll hoover up and it will just, just for me, when you do it the right way and you have the right mindset and you're in the right environment, it can just make you a better all-rounded human with so many skills that just benefit all different parts of your life. Absolutely. Do you know what? I'd like to build on that if I can. Um, yeah. We have a core training program at Realm and it's, you know, it really is just a kind of minimum that everybody needs to do in terms of, training and development and at the moment it stands at about 36 hours of training Mm. and only a kind of tiny part of that two three hours is around selling and selling techniques and of course we do follow-up we do follow-up sessions on all of those core sessions so you spend more than two or three hours learning how to sell is my point but there's all that other stuff all that Mm. other stuff how to communicate better with people so that you don't unknowingly cause somebody else stress how to remain resilient, practical steps to do that, how to organize yourself. You're absolutely right. There's loads to it that can benefit you above and beyond just a day job of recruitment, but you can take into your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously future careers as well outside of. Yeah, 100%. Um, so let's let's sort of take this into Dwayne being the, the business owner then. Always interested to hear a lot of people talk about starting their own business, but never end up taking that first step. So what what gave you the confidence to take that first step and, and why? Um, I have to be really truthful about this. <laughs> I, I was five years deep into recruitment and the the last two of those five years have been quite good. Um, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, though, I still wasn't sure that recruitment was for me. Yeah. And I felt like I'd finally made peace with with myself in terms of I've gone into this and I've achieved something. Maybe now is a good time to get out. Yeah. <laughs> so and so I was actually thinking about finally going and doing that whole barrister thing, right? Yeah. But then along came one of my clients and said to me, 
we really like the work you've been doing of us with us of late, and we were wondering whether you'd be interested in setting a recruitment business up with our backing. Oh wow! And I kind of thought, well, it's not really what I set out to do, but why why would you dismiss that opportunity? They don't yeah. come along every day, especially if you attracted it. Yeah, yeah, they don't come along every day. Um, and I thought, you know what, this could be fun. This could be fun. And actually, it's that thing again about recruitment being meritocratic. I thought to myself, because I was still pretty young. I was like 26. I was probably, well, not probably. I was mad naive, probably more yeah. arrogant than I should have been. And I thought, do you know what? If I go and do this this barrister law gig, right, I, at best, might kind of become a barrister and be a half good one in, in a few years' time. But, you know, I'm not going to reach the top of that profession for another 20, 30 years. I thought, do you know what? This recruitment thing, if I get <laughs> it right, you know, we could probably be best in class within 10 years. And that really excited me. So, yeah, that that, that was how it was born. Nice. So you, so you got back to do it? Pardon? Did you, end up, did you end up sort of going down that route then? Did you end up getting invested to start oh, it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I accepted their offer. I said, yeah, let's nice. do it. Let's do it. I love um, that. I didn't t- know that, so I'm excited to get your experience on that. Because I think that is something that people sort of consider, think about. But again, I think it does, obviously the way that you described it, it seems pretty organic. It's from people in the industry. But I think, I don't know if you've spoken to other recruitment business owners about this, but um, sometimes it can get quite a bad rep on like, oh, aren't these people just there to sort of take my money or aren't I going to, it's just like, I don't know, it doesn't, there's been some not great stories around going down that path. Yeah, I do hear a lot of that. Um, I'm really fortunate that, my experience doesn't correlate with that at at all. Um, nice. I've had nothing but support and encouragement really along the way. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. It's not been all roses. There were times in the first couple of years, especially when it was, you know, it was tense, but that was because the business wasn't performing. And you know what, if a business isn't performing, the people that have backed it, who are ultimately looking for a return, they're going to ask difficult questions but to say to, to to go back to what you said that some people see it that investors are just there to take away from you your money I, I don't see that in my situation I actually count myself really lucky count my blessings and go do you know what realm wouldn't be here today the business that it is did I not have the backing that I've got not just the yeah. financial backing but the people that did it because the truth is our first couple of years were really tough and difficult and you know, other investors at that time might have gone, do you know what, we're out, we've had enough of this. Whereas the people that backed around, I guess they believed in me and what I was saying and doing, they doubled down on their investment. And without that, we wouldn't be in this really exciting position we're in now where we've got the foundations in place and we're really fortunate to be able to look five years ahead and go, do you know what, that that 10-year goal, we're on course to achieve it. Yeah, I love that. So... Very quickly then, do you mind, are you okay to share like how it works? Don't have to go into like all the details, but like people, this is the stuff that people want to know. Is it, was it a straight equity split or I don't know, like how, how did, how does that look or does it change as you hit certain goals? Yeah. Yeah. I can talk a little bit about that. I might not give specific figures, but I'm happy to kind of share the overall. Yeah. Cause I think that that is something that people are curious about and how they do it. So I think if you didn't mind, just, I guess just giving us a bit of a picture of, what that did, what what that actually looked like? Was you just then put on? Was you then just employed and on a salary? And I don't know how how did how did it actually work? 
This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincere, who are weaponizing recruitment businesses through tech. But I'm not here to tell you why you should consider their all-in-one platform. I'm here to talk to you about their exciting growth journey and their hiring. They're hiring a lot. There's a huge opportunity to work for this business right now and be part of their huge growth story. You have the chance to work with and sell a product that their customers absolutely love. And everyone that I've met in this business just shares a passion in putting their customers first and really being able to build a platform, the best platform for recruitment agencies on the planet. So they're hiring in their sales team in the UK. They're hiring for their customer success team in the UK. So I'm not going to tell you about the salary or the typical benefits, but the main reason why you should consider working for this business is the career growth opportunities you can expect when joining them. They're on an amazing journey, and there's a really unique opportunity to join that journey. You can go to vincherry.com to see all of their live vacancies or directly connect and reach out with Donna Owen on LinkedIn or Eloise, who is one of the co-founders. Now, back to the podcast. So I think I probably got the best of both worlds, to be honest. In okay. that I didn't have to put any money in. Yeah. You know, the nature of the investment was that the, the two people that invested fronted the money to run the company. Um, they gave me a split of the equity. Yeah. So I own part of the business. Um, but they also gave me the comfort of a salary. <laughs> yeah, nice. And on, and on top of that, um, a performance bonus to incentivize me above and beyond the, sure. the equity that I had to grow it day to day, knowing that ultimately what what our combined plan is and what um sorry was and is is to keep growing it. And if you grow a business at great speed, anyone will know the amount of profitability in it is limited for that time that you're pushing the growth. So to compensate for the fact that me owning equity, yes, that would mean I'd get dividends, but there might not be huge dividends for a while because we're reinvesting the profit. There was that bonus there on the side that says, well, regardless, if you do X, you'll get this. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm really keen to talk about the challenges that you had to work through because that's that's what this podcast is all about. So, But I think what will help is like just paint the picture of where the business is today and then we'll talk about those first couple of years and what you sort of, I guess, learned along that journey in hindsight now um, and these things. And then we'll talk about sort of recent times. So like where where is the business today? So we've had a rather crazy last 12 months, as I know lots of people and businesses have. Um, when the pubs closed, that's like the key date I remember last year. <laughs> when, when the pubs closed and... Um, We'd just gone from seven to eight members of staff. And then, you know, the week later, we all went into lockdown. We've now got 16 members of staff and it'll be 17 as of July. So we've more than doubled headcount over the last 12 months. The turnover looks like it's on course for 1 million this year, which will be amazing for us because it, you know, smashes anything that we've, that we've done before and there'll be profitability there. And we're on course for that 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 I don't want to say end goal, but for that in, in that sort of 10 year picture that I had in my mind when we started, that's that's now five years from now. We're on we're on course and trajectory for that. Um that look what that looks like is 
probably about 50 members of staff, a turnover of three to four million. Mm. Okay. So talk to us about these first couple of years then. Well, obviously it seems like, obviously the great thing about that, that that ended up being the investment partnership is obviously that does de-risk it quite a bit, right? In terms Absolutely. of taking that leap. So there, I don't want to say it was more comfortable, but there was, you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, but there was a comfortability there, you know, to support your family or do your own personal circumstances, et cetera. So obviously you said it was really challenging and they st- stuck with you. Like what, I guess, what was really difficult? Let's just talk about that and maybe share some of the things that you least expected that were really challenging. I think what was difficult was, was that I'm truthfully, I wasn't yet at that stage in my life equipped to run a business. Mm. I, I didn't have a lot of the skills understanding and experience that I've now got. And that's maybe obvious because it's maybe a bit chicken and egg, but I think there will be other people out there in employed positions within recruitment businesses now that would have had a lot more management team leadership, general leadership experience than I'd had at that point. Mm. So in that first couple of years, I was having to try to make fees myself as a recruiter to get things moving but because of this this goal, this aim of growing it quite quickly, we were very quick to hire people, graduates into the business. So I was also having to learn on the job how to train them, how to coach them, how to manage them and get the best from them. And at the same time, I was also having to get to grips with the fact that I had this, <laughs> this really exciting but naive vision of becoming best in class in 10 years and this this belief that I wanted to do things maybe a bit different to the way most of our competitors went about recruiting. But I didn't really know what different looked like. I didn't really know what that was. So I had to, you know, really go through a trial and error process over that first couple of years to kind of work out what it was. Um, And all of those things combined meant that the first two years, when I talk about them being difficult, I suppose what I mean was that, it was challenging for me from a mental health standpoint. Like I didn't necessarily realize it at the time. It's only when I came out the other side, but it took its toll on me. I was in a really bad place. Um, in, in what sense? The levels of anxiety mm. that, that I had to endure day to day were awful. I was bringing that anxiety into my personal life. Um, it affected the way that I kind of, perceive myself it affected the way that I went into social activities with my friends it was horrible it was just a real constant niggle um and it created a lot of self-doubt which is not something that I'd ever really had before <laughs> I mentioned earlier on that um you know I was quite an arrogant mid-20s something that, yeah. that went that went and it was all of a sudden self-doubt imposter syndrome um but the other difficulty was that this business wasn't wasn't making business sense <laughs> it wasn't generating enough in the way of revenue for us to really call it a business. And how I, much did you do in your first year and two, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, I can't remember the exact specifics, but you know, frankly, next to nothing like year one, really? probably just over about 150, mm-hmm. maybe near double that in year two. And how many one. of you were there? Um, between three and four yeah and I, and I know now with hindsight that we got that whole thing wrong we just mm. did it the wrong way we were too eager to scale up 
And remember what I said, you know, I was trying to bail whilst also trying to teach these graduates how to recruit whilst also, you know, doing the other stuff. I was just spread too thinly um, and didn't work. What we really should have done was build up more headroom first and then grow, give ourselves that foundation. Mm. But instead, we tried to do too much too soon. As it's happened, as it happens, it's not worked out all that bad because, you know, we're five years in now and we've got, thanks to that hit that we took in those first couple of years, we've got a solid foundations in the businesses I could hope for. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know whether I've gone off maybe on a bit of a tangent there, but yeah. No, 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 it's, you're just talking about that, that journey. So there's just so many different, when you're, I'm sure when you're thinking about it, there's just so many things that come to you on like what the experience was like and stuff. So I guess what we've taken from there is like one, obviously you had this investment. So obviously we're like, right, let's, let's grow this business. But from what you shared, it seems like just end up doing that too quickly because you, you didn't give yourself enough space to build relationships with maybe new clients, new business, get enough business in through the door to then build a bit of a platform that other people could leverage. You were then training other people. So you spread really thin. Like you said, you're doing a lot of firsts. You started to obviously doubt yourself and you're now this business owner. You've got other people to care about. You've got obviously investors that you got to make sure that they're happy. So you're like, Oh my God, like am I actually as good as I thought I was? So there's loads of things there, right? Yeah. So, so overwhelming. I guess, <laughs> yeah, overwhelming. Right. So I guess I know you were just touching on it then, but I guess for people listening to this, that, are thinking about taking that leap. I guess this of what I'm taking away from what you said then is like a really dependent on this, the nuance and the circumstance of how you start your business. If it's down the investor route and you do have more capital or maybe you've saved up uh, X amount of money to have like a six month runway or whatever. But what, what would you going back? What would you really focus on in those first six to 12 months that you think would have gave you an even better platform to, I guess, to reach sort of where you're at more quickly now? This is maybe a slightly long-winded way of answering that question, but when I reflect and look back, the way I see it is we had this naive vision of doing things different mm. and we didn't know what different was. And so almost inadvertently, whilst we were scrambling around to be different, we ended up just being exactly the same as all of our competitors. And it's like, why would anybody go to those new guys down the road for the same service that I can get with this really established business that I know is going to deliver the goods. Does that, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, you did it. You didn't really know your USPs or really work out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And, and anything that we tried to pedal as a USP on our website was as hollow as you could get. Didn't mean anything. <laughs> so if I were to go back and do this whole thing again, before I even launched, I would work out more clearly what it what it is that this business is about why does this business exist how is it going to do what it does day to day and what does that mean for its clients prospects candidates mm. and i would absolutely nail that early doors so that everything then would flow from that and the other thing i would do differently um you know this isn't a regret because actually one of one of the guys that joined us early doors he's still with us he's brilliant he's award-winning so it's worked out really well but you know if i'm being truthful if i did the whole thing again i wouldn't hire as quickly i would yeah. i would focus on just me using that you know that proposition building things up establishing a name for us in the market 
getting some really solid clients that we're going to do repeat business with again and again and again and build up a bit of headroom and then inject inject staff yeah nice just on that just really practical and i know again there's nuances but thinking back that headroom would you want that to look like i don't know maybe like obviously there's a just on like i guess like financials would you be looking at like i don't know like a six six month runway of not worrying at all about this new person having to bill or bring in revenue or are you talking more about a plan? I guess it's both, but I don't know what, what would you be aiming for out of interest? Do you know what? I wouldn't be able to put a figure on that because it will Fair really enough. depend on the specific situation that you're in. Suffice yeah. to say the situation we were in meant that the business was losing, not just losing money, but losing money quite drastically, you know, yeah. quite a chunk month on month. Um, and that obviously wasn't good. So I think the answer to that is really based on what you can afford or what your investors yeah. can afford. Yeah, fair enough. Any on the mental health piece, and thank you for sharing um, how you felt during that, because I think, again, still plenty of work to get more people talking about it. But any sort of coping mechanisms that I guess you still utilize now that helps keep that in check or? Have, helps you have better sort of more good days and bad days sort of looking back was there anything that did help during that period that you think actually really helped you work through that talking yeah and sharing um i've i've had counseling and i think it's brilliant it's really really brilliant how has uh, that actually helped you like how was that sort it, of it's how um, does that manifest it's quite hard to articulate because it's not as if you, you go in and have these sessions and go away at the end with these really practical bits of advice on what to do. It's almost that just through the process of going through counselling, you end up with a lot more just clarity and mm. a clearer mind. So that really helped. Um, I think practically things that I do now that that help me personally well there's there's a there's an idea that there you've got five fibers of resilience this is something i'm borrowing from a talk that that i went to the back end of last year you've got mental emotional physical social and spiritual okay so the idea is the stronger those five fibers of resilience the more resilient you become and the more resilient you are i think you know that goes hand in hand with mental health so i try to develop knowledge um i one thing that we encourage at realm is self-development we've got loads of things in place that do that but i try to live and breathe that myself so try to do a lot to kind of develop myself in that sense emotional resilience i think that's around stretching yourself so at Realm, we talk not so much about getting outside of your comfort zone, but growing your comfort zone. So doing something that develops you personally. Mm. Physical resilience, well, that's that's the easy one to understand, but maybe the more difficult <laughs> one to, to stick to. But, you know, exercise. Um, social resilience, I think that's about sharing, sharing positivity and love with others, looking after others. I think that's very rewarding. Uh, and I think the strongest one of all is the spiritual one. And by spiritual, I don't necessarily mean religion or, or or some sort of you know voodoo or witchcraft, but rather a sense of purpose, a goal, something that drives you. Um, mm. 
And again, I'm going to refer to the talk that, that I went to the back end of last year that really helped crystallize all of this for me. One practical tip that I got given then was to have, have goals that stretch you, goals that are not so obviously attainable that you know you know you're going to do that thing but things that are maybe a little bit dicey like it's push and go if not slightly unrealistic write them down and stick them in front of you right and Mm. and the idea is that if they're in front of you all the time your unconscious without you knowing it is taking that information in and he's processing Mm. it and he's getting creative and trying to do something with it but also, if you're having a crap day, you can just look down at it and remind yourself, this is this is why I'm doing this. Mm. And um, that helps a lot. Yeah, love that. Thanks for sharing that. So let's, let's start unpacking what you, I guess, some of the things that re- have really helped you get to where you are now then and the things that have really started um, working then. So always interesting. It's a really popular question I get from other business owners. What along the way or um, things that sort of you live by now, what um, tools have you invested in as a business that's really helped you think as you started growing and building this, this platform as a business, any tools that you live by? So practical tools, you mean like LinkedIn recruiter, for example? Yeah. Just, just people always message me like, Oh, I'd love to know what pieces of tech other businesses have invested in that they actually use and really rate or really value because there's also loads of tools out there, but Yeah. Um, honestly, we're maybe slightly tech averse at Realm. (laughs) So so I I think we have the things that you have to have a CRM system an advert multi-poster LinkedIn recruiter licenses, but based on some bad experiences with various pieces of tech early on. So we were really early adopters of like a video, um, interview piece of kit while we had that when we started and back in 2015, that was pretty novel. Didn't really work for us. Um, we had a chatbot chat bot on our website at one point. Didn't really work for us. <laughs> we had this artificially intelligent text message system. Didn't really work for us. So um, I'm afraid I've not got much to say that, that's um, in the way of kind of practical takeaways. Um, other than that, we are actually just in the process now of trialing um, intro and interview. Oh, nice. So I firmly believe that video has definitely got a place in recruitment now and um i think it's time that we at realm had another look at that whether or not we adopt yet or not i don't know um but we try we try not to rely on tech we try to rely more on us yeah fair enough so let's just get get into some practical things so i'd say the other really popular area that recruiters always uh, want to learn listen um about is over the last we can keep it in the last 12 to uh, 18 months like what as a business as you've grown in that period like what has been sort of the most successful way for you and your team to win business out of interest okay um business right well we our mission statement right at Realm is we believe in treating lawyers like people, not candidates. And we believe in treating law firms like value partners, not just transactional customers. Okay. So in terms of winning business, that's the starting point for us. Treat both your existing clients and your prospective clients like valued partners and not just a transactional customer that you're hoping to get a fee off. Mm. And in practice, what does that look like? 
well, we try to add value in whatever way we can. So whether that's sending them a piece of research that we've run as a business that we know is going to have data in that's going to benefit them, whether it's reaching out to them to just offer them insight on what's going on in the market. You know, I don't want to give too many of our secrets away, um, so maybe won't say any more, but just add value in whatever way you can. Go out of your way to help them is another way I suppose to put that. The second thing is I think we've got a pretty clear idea of what our proposition is. So this is the second time I'm referencing this and it's the thing that I said I wish I'd nailed down and bolted on the walls of our office a lot sooner. But we understand what our why is, what's driving us, and it's that mission statement. We understand how it is that we do our job. So that's a, you know we've got we pride ourselves at Realm on having a refreshing refreshing values driven approach, and we know what our our values are. We know what they mean, and we emphasise those to clients. And ultimately, we know how those things combined help and benefit our clients. And we emphasise that we emphasise that we save you time, we save you money, we help you to make money. So all of that combined with the way we're set up as a business and the way we're set up as a business is a huge part, I think, of our success. So I'll explain that. We are ultra niche at Realm. So many of the listeners to this might think legal is quite specialist in itself, but we take that to the nth degree. Each recruiter in our team only recruits one or in some cases two types of lawyer and that's it. And not only that, but they are confined to a relatively small geographical area. So by playing a long game on the candidate front there, by not just jumping headfirst and trying to get candidates for jobs, but rather knowing that actually I've only got this finite pool of potential candidates. So rather than just trying to pick from them and place them in jobs quickly, instead I'm just going to focus on building relationships with these people. And being the person that they automatically think of when they think of moving jobs. All of that combined, it it kind of makes our life relatively easy when it comes to working, try, trying to work to a new business, because in the areas, the, the legal areas that we cover, we've just got such good mature talent pools. And on top of that, I think we know the value in adding value to clients and prospects to show them what we're not just trying to look for a quick fee. And we also, on top of that, you know, we know the why, the how, and the what, so we can articulate what it is that we do for them and how that adds value. Um, that's slightly long-winded answer, and I don't know how much of that people can extract and practically do themselves. But yeah, I think that that's been the key for us in winning new business and retaining the clients we've got. Certainly, the last three years. It it just seems it just seems like you just matured as a business. Like these are all. That's what it sounds like, really. It it's like it you've is. got systems and processes and we're all on the same thing. Whereas I think a business, like, and this is going to be my next question because a really common question I get as well is like, obviously a large chunk of the recruitment industry is sort of um, as a business size where you was under that sort of 10 headcount. And I think sometimes the things that you're mentioning can also can be perceived as things that you would do when you're bigger or larger or when we're over here, we'll do that. But well, it seems like you've really done the legwork and all of that. So then actually when you do grow, when you do add people and as we are doing it, then it, we're all clear. It's all really clear, basically. I think sometimes that's what can lack. And that was going to be my next question, really. Like 
um, was, was two things. I think um, obviously one was going to be, okay, so for people listening to this that do have a business where you was, so under t- 10 heads, what advice would you give them to sort of get to that next level? And I know you're still on that journey, but I guess things that have helped you, it might be the things you just mentioned. And then the other thing, which I think is sort of core to that is that which people always want to know is like, how have you developed leaders? How have you got, obviously I know you shared with me, obviously, and I hope you don't mind me sharing, obviously you're due to have your first child soon. So obviously you're going to be out of the business. So I'm sure this is something you've done. Like how have you developed leaders and how have you got them on the bus? You know, cause that's going to be important as you grow this. So I know a few things there, but. Do you know what? Um, that, that's, that's a tough one because as you said, I'm, I'm still kind of going through that journey. Like, you know, I, I, I can't sit here and say to you, we've done it, you know, we're there because we're absolutely not. <laughs> we've got miles to go. Um, not to say that I'm not proud of where we are. I am, but we've still got miles to go. And I think because we're still going through that process, I, I haven't yet got that benefit of hindsight to be able to reflect back and go, those were the things that really made the difference. But I'll try, and have a go, I'll try and have a go at answering it anyway. Um, good systems and processes, I think, are really important. I know that they're not for everybody. Um, and I know that, you know, when we've hired people that have worked in other recruitment businesses, they've maybe found some of the things that we insist upon a little bit arduous or tiresome. And I think we've got maybe as a business some way to go in getting better at explaining the benefits of why these things exist to newer team members, but they do help. They really do. They, they, they make sure that whatever it is that's got you to the point of being 10 members of staff. Cause by the way, I don't think you get to 10 members of staff without having a viable business there and loyal clients and all the rest of it. So whatever it is, that's got you, got you to that point, they help ensure that you don't lose the essence of that. Almost you capture it and then it's easier to replicate. Um, the, the other thing I suppose is a clear structure for how you're going to grow. So mm. where you're going to put people, how that's going to benefit those that are already there. Um, something that I'm proud of at realm is that we really see the value in not just having a load of recruiters, but also in having support staff. So in a team of 16, take me out, leaves 15. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six members of support staff and nine recruiters. I don't think that's that sort of ratio is very normal in recruitment. And, and what do they do? Sorry, if you don't mind sharing. So we've two people that sit within kind of the admin side of the business and HR and then four that sit within marketing. Um, wow. And certainly in, in the early years of running Realm, I was going to talk after talk after talk, you know, desperately trying to find the, the recipe to get things moving. And I quite often heard this thing about how, you know, recruitment to some extent isn't just sales, but it's just as much marketing. And um, so I tried <laughs> I tried to kind of take that on board and do something with it. And hence why we have a marketing team of four now, um, because yeah, so much of what we do and underpins the success that we're currently having stems from the work of that marketing team. So I guess practical bit of advice is think about the bigger picture in the team structure. Don't just throw a load of recruiters at it. Actually having more support staff might actually enable the recruiters you've got to believe in more and give you even more solid a base 
off which to continue growing. Love that. As for the leader part, um, I'm grappling with this at the moment. I've got mm. I've got a group of people that I work with who I trust a lot and I've known for a long while, and I see them as leaders. And I think the challenge that I'm faced with is helping them to see themselves as leaders and understand how that changes sort of the dynamic as to the way they act and behave day to day. And again, I'm just just being honest in saying that, you know, I've not mastered that yet. It's an ongoing thing. Um, what have I done so far? Well, I think one thing we're relatively good at, or rather I'm relatively good at, is is giving feedback and ensuring that it's not just a, you know, let's have a chat now and I'll see you in 12 months time for your next appraisal, but more structured one-to-one system monthly, an appraisal system that's more regular. And we've got a really transparent progression policy that says in order to move up the ranks, these are the things you need to do. And by the way, there's nine criteria and only one of them relates to billings. There's all this other stuff. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a, in my mind, at least there's an ongoing dialogue with people around the areas of development and the things they need to do to move up. And I think that combined with, you know, me starting now to do practical things and have conversations with them about them awakening to the idea that the leaders, that's the strategy thus far. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And then I guess as we come to the end here, always obviously a challenge for growing businesses is hiring for their own business. Have you got any better at, have you got any better at that? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, do you know what? That implies that I was once not great at it. And do you know what? You'd be right to imply that because yeah. I've, I've made some shocking decisions on that front. Um, yeah, which... I guess just, I get the, it's just two, two, two part question is one, have you got any better at it? And two, the other thing that I think whenever I have these conversations is like <clears throat> people um, have had to get better at, I guess just just noticing and understanding what their hiring triggers are for their business, you know, rather than, I don't know, just always, I guess, seeing people and go, yeah, they sound good. Let's get them in. I don't know. So that, that was the other part I was going to say, but have, have, how has that journey been? Yes, we've got better at it as a business and more through the, <laughs> the efforts of my colleague, Becky, who's our office manager and oversees the HR functions within the business, she's put something in place that is just a lot more structured and nice. more closely aligned with what's important to us at Realm. So mm. with a three-stage process, you know, the first is just a 15-minute natter with me where I get to sense check whether this person seems to be on the face of it worth moving forward and they get to sense check whether I seem to be somebody that they want to work yeah. with. Um, then we've a second stage, which is a longer, more traditional interview, I suppose, that looks at technical aptitude, and then a third stage that looks at cultural fit. Now, I think what we've got better at is kind of understanding that as much as we've got values at Realm and whoever we hire, um, they have to align with those that actually it's not a one size fits all approach. You know, I don't think having clones works. You need different people from different backgrounds with different viewpoints. I think that's another thing that's actually helped us along our, our kind of way the last five years. Um, 
so yeah, not 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 being too rigid in saying that people have to look and sound a certain way Same to way. get in. Yeah. But but that said, they do have to align with these values, these sets of this set of non-negotiables that's really important to us. So yeah, to answer the question shortly, we have got better at it. Uh the second part, um <laughs> again, to be honest still not there with that one it has been very very much a ad hoc opportunistic approach to growing the business in recent years that that is now coming to a stop because we're at a point now where we can't push and grow any further without first taking a step back putting some more structure in place and looking at the um whether we've got the right ratios of support staff and kind of what what our sub team structure looks like and reporting lines all that kind of stuff Sure. Once we've done that, then we are going to move forward, have a more structured way of recruiting and look to do kind of intakes where we have multiple people onboarded at once rather than just people all over the shop. I think that is a more productive way of doing it from our perspective, but it's also probably a better experience to somebody starting a new business because they've got peers that are joining at the same time. It kind of softens the landing into the team. Yeah, nice. And then... Look, before we finish and ask you the sort of final couple of questions, how, obviously during this period, it seems like there's been a lot more positives, but how uh, how's your mental health been in this period? Pretty good. I'm fortunate that I can say that because as I've got older, I think I've become more self-aware mm. and can I'm better now at recognising when maybe I'm not feeling great and so I can do something about it. Whereas when I was 26, that's how old I was when I launched Realm. I was yeah, nowhere near as self-aware and was a lot, <laughs> was very naive. So, um, Is that just come with age, you think, or is it because of the work you've done on self-development or I don't know? What? Uh, I, was curious. I, think, I think a combination of those things, yeah. A combination yeah. of those things, definitely. And um, yeah, the counselling helped too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I can't I can't myself really lucky actually that this last twelve months I know has been incredibly incredibly difficult for a lot of people. Mm. Um, I'm really fortunate that you, you know I've I've landed okay. And how are you feeling about adding uh, another human in your life, being a family? I did a post about this the other day because uh, I guess um, the the context is. When not, whenever we've interviewed women on this podcast and we sort of talk about why, what are some of the reasons behind a lack of women in sort of senior leadership positions, and you may see this in your sector, um, obviously one of the factors that uh, us guys don't have, don't think about as much, doesn't mean that we don't sort of deem it as important, is this sort of crossroads of like, right, do I want to start a family or am I going to put everything into my career? Can I have both, et cetera? So, so you've got this business now, you've got a lot of people to support. So how are you how are you feeling about that? Do you know what actually the the one thing that maybe I have had a tinge of anxiety about over the last eight or nine months uh has not been becoming a father because I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Um yeah, I love that to welcome our baby girl, but rather whether I'm going to have the right balance between life and work when yeah. she arrives because this is something that I try <laughs> to put a huge emphasis on within the business I mean our, our our whole vision is about becoming the leaders in our space but whilst recognizing that you know when it comes to life work balance it's life that's the more important of the two right 
Um, and because of how fast we've grown as a business, the structures and the support isn't quite there yet or hasn't been there yet for me to feel confident that um, basically I'm going to be you know, a good dad in that I'm going to be home and around enough. So that's a work in progress. Um, but I, yeah, I'm just so excited. I can't wait. Yeah, I love that. So before I ask you the final question then, what I guess for anyone listening to this that could be a maybe aspiring business owner, um, what advice would you have for them then with the journey that you're on? If I'm someone listening to this and I'm thinking about starting my own recruitment business someday, what would you communicate to me? I could spend a lot of time and think very carefully about all sorts of bits of practical advice that I would give. But actually the thing that I would say above all else is just give it a go. (laughs) You Mm. only get one, you only get one go at life. Right. So, um, there's, there's a, there's a book that we've read at our book club at work. Sorry, a shameless plug there, but, um, by a lady called Elizabeth day. And, um, What's Wait, that's called what is it fail first or something what, is philosophy 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 it's all about why it's okay to fail and there's a quote it goes something like um the minute you let go of your fear of failure you score more yeah i love that and, I've, got, um, I've got that i should post it on my computer in front of me it says you can do this fear equals growth because i i've definitely struggled with that in when i've been in my own sort of business journey it's definitely yeah. the fear piece it is always the fear and exactly. So as much, the point is I could try to give you loads of practical advice and you could go around and ask a load of other business owners for practical advice, but ultimately, you know, you just got to crack on and do it. You got to do it your way and don't let the fear of failure stop, stop you. Give it a go. Mm. Take that first step. Yeah. Well, um, so what final question and what, what's the ultimate goal for, for realm? What's the ultimate goal for your recruitment career? So I've just alluded to it there. It's, it, it's our vision statement as a business we want to become the leading legal recruitment consultancy in the uk but doing that whilst putting you know life above work um so where i see us in five years time is probably a headcount of about 50 staff members and um i want us to be in the sunday times top 10 list for best small companies to work for that's that that's how i'll know that, that I've achieved what I set out to achieve. Yeah. Building something up that's financially viable and successful, but where people actually like to come and work. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to uh, see that unravel from afar. Thanks Thank so much you. for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having um, me. Good luck with fatherhood. Obviously Cheers. we'll stay in touch, but um, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on and being really open and honest and um Really excited to share this with everyone. So thank You're you. You're very welcome. Cheers. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free 
on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.